I'm Sam Seitels, and you are listening to The Pillars of Hamilton. Now, before I get down to business, I have some homework to do, as I've forgotten to do this homework every single week. If you like this show, I appreciate your support, and the best way you can show support is by hitting that subscribe button. Not only will you put a big old smile on my face, but you will get notifications every week when a new episode drops. All right. This is a very special episode. This is the Fight Like Frankie episode. For this conversation, I brought in Frank and Tiffany Lasasso. They are the awesome parents of the little warrior known as Frankie. For those of you who don't know, Frankie is currently battling leukemia. In this podcast, we discuss everything this amazing family has been through since the diagnosis. It was a true honor to have them come on my show and speak from the heart. So thank you, Frank and Tiffany, for being so open during this conversation. I learned a ton about leukemia, and I know the listeners will as well. Also, huge thank you to Frankie and Gino for letting me hang with mom and dad. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the Fight Like Frankie episode. listening to the pillars of hamilton that's with me sam Sidetells, and you want to know what i'm gonna give them only the finest that hamilton has to offer the biggest blueberries you've ever seen baby and they're all here right now thank you guys so much for doing this it's our pleasure yeah this is one i'm very excited about and i'm a little nervous about as well um, uh, I love your family. You guys are wonderful people. I even remember the first time we did a, a conference and I remember thinking like, oh, these are cool people. <laughs> yeah. That's how cool you guys are. So just throwing that out there. Uh, dude, we were supposed to do this a long time ago. Yeah, we were. Yeah. Not this topic, but no, <laughs> but let's real quick, man. How, how's the football? How's the sports? Uh, man, we had a, a really good year and a half, um, since COVID, kind of ended and life has started to return to normal. Uh, we had a football season in 2020 where we were ranked in like the top five in South Jersey. Um, they didn't have state playoffs that year. So, you know, they had like these, they were called pod playoff games <clears throat> where they just matched you with schools in the area. Um, and we did pretty well. Was it um, like actually a, an elimination type thing or? Yeah, it was like a, Basically, they put you into groups of four according to location, group size. So we ended up getting matched up with St. Joe of Hamilton. Oh, and, you're playing uh, against your own. Yeah. Your own and, peeps. Uh, yeah. People that I, you know, I grew up around that program. Um, we ended up winning that game. And then after that, it, everything kind of fell apart because we were supposed to play Camden High School and they backed out at the last minute due to because of COVID? quote unquote COVID issues. Oh, that's what they um, say. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Uh, and then uh, baseball season rolled around 2021, and we, we won a Group 3 state championship, which was the end of the season. Was what does that mean, amazing. a Group 3? So you had there's different group sizes. There's groups uh, 1, 2, 3, and 4 based on enrollment of your school. So we're Group 3. Group 4 is the, is the biggest. So winning Group 3 is a pretty, a pretty big deal because, you know, you're, you're getting up to the bigger schools with deeper pools of talent. Um, and we won a state championship, which I think that was the only, we're the only the second Cape Atlantic League 
school to ever win a state championship. In fact, I'm sorry, the third. Nice, dude. Congrats. Um, are you are you just a big sports <clears throat> fan, or do you really are you really into working with the kids and seeing them improve? Is this a, a real passion for you, coaching? I mean, I I became a teacher so I could coach. You know, it was like, really? yeah, it was definitely not like I, I want to teach math and that's what I want to do. Was, <laughs> I, I want to coach. So in order to do that, find an area that I enjoy teaching as well. Dude, I, I did the exact opposite. They needed a coach <laughs> and I wanted to be a teacher. And so like, if you can do PE, you can also teach math and history. I was like, yeah, let's do this. So, I mean, it's, you know, and then we just finished our re most recent football season. We went 12 and one. We lost in the group four championship game, which was disappointing, but at the same time, we had a really successful year. 12 and 1. Yeah, and it was uh, a season where we, we really just bonded with our senior group. I mean, we do every year, but just the last couple of days being able to reflect on those relationships that you have and seeing how much the kids grow over the course of four years um, and to see them mature as leaders, as players, and just as human beings is, is a really cool thing to be a part of and to see their – like I said, their leadership skills really evolve yeah. over the course of a four-year period that you have with them. It's just really cool, and you're, you're thankful for those relationships that you have, not only with the players, but even with their families more recently as well. It's probably, it's probably, they're probably creating memories that they're going to remember for, for the rest of their lives. I mean, they're going to look back on, on you and, and be very grateful. I don't even know if they, they might see it now, but if not now, for sure later. Some of them are definitely more appreciative than you think the average 17 or 18 year old kid would be. Um, they, they, they hug you, you know, they, they tell you they love you and they're thankful for you. And um, just to, to see that come out in them is, is a pretty cool thing. Like I said, the, the bonds that you form with the players and their families. Um, this group was just extra special. I don't know if it's because this was the first group that I've coached since Frankie has had his diagnosis, and they really showed how much they have our backs. Um, because oh, usually it's, it's a coach showing the player that they have your back. But this year the players were, were able to reciprocate that. And, you know, they had their own wristbands made that said fight like Frankie on it. And, you know, uh, T-shirts were made by the Booster Club and the families and donations were, were made. And um, just to see the support that they had for our family made it a little bit extra special this year. I would argue, as a, as a teacher of like 16 years now, I would argue that what the kids learned with you on that field, the leadership skills, and I'm sure a whole lot more working with the team, I would say that's almost more beneficial to their futures than, let's say, trigonometry or, uh, you know. I would agree. I, you know, going through what we've been going through, I can credit my athletic background and the things that I had learned from my coaches. You know, you talk about making memories that last a lifetime. I mean, I remember my high school baseball and football teams and the things that we went through like it was yesterday, you know, and that was 15 years ago. Um, and when things get hard, you do kind of fall back on, on those lessons that you learned and you kind of hear your coach's voices in your head say mm. that, you know, life is going to be hard and you're going to have to deal with difficult times and it's going to be far more difficult than winning or losing a baseball or a football game. Yeah. So when you ha when you have the ability to fall back onto those things, it certainly helps you get through those harder times that you have in life. Mm. It's awesome, man. 
and I have to ask you because usually I before an episode, like I'll go on someone's Facebook, see what they've been posting, see whatever I can find out before the interview. Are are you an MMA fan? So, because <laughs> if you are, I'm beyond excited about that. My best friend's brother is a pro MMA fighter. Oh, so we support them and we try to go to as many of his fights as we can and watch him kick butt. And do you have fun? Yeah, yeah. it is. We just started going when he became pro, and we would be able to go and watch. And it's definitely intense when you're there. You know, and, and this isn't a knock on any other sport. It's like. Losing an MMA is, is uh, yeah. it's a different thing. I mean, yeah. for one, you only fight a couple times a year. You can't be fighting, mm -hmm. you know, for a season, 15 fights. Like, it doesn't work like that. Uh, the winds are so glorious. And I just know that for someone to put themselves out there like your best friend's brother, mm -hmm. whew, God, yeah. it takes some courage. I've done martial arts my whole life. Just the thought of before I come out and the music playing and mm -hmm. going out, looking across the cage from someone who wants to take my head off in front of my family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's the worst part. add in all the factors of everything there, it's, we say, we're like, we don't know how he does that. Like, How'd he do on the last one? It was a tough loss. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's always back out there and trying. And Yeah, you win some, you yeah. lose some. Mm -hmm. uh, was it a knockout or a submission or a decision? It was a TKO. Like, he was, he was going to get knocked out if they yeah. didn't stop the fight. Yeah. So part of the game man the yeah. best in the world get knocked out so um all right guys shall we talk about the man the myth the legend <laughs> little frankie yes so <clears throat> i've been researching for those who, who who don't know um could we talk about the diagnosis sure um he has t-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia so pretty much that's just a big word for his t-cells multiply excessively it's the white blood cells correct yes right the 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 and i might be botching this completely and i apologize if, if i am so uh the stem cells create these white blood cells and mm -hmm. they basically overrun the cells that are doing their proper job yes. and, and and the symptoms this let's talk about when you first realize some symptoms is that what happened at first you noticed something was wrong um i mean he was having little symptoms here and there but we had reasons for all of them like he had a cough and he gets a cough every fall uh he has since he was little you know when he was a baby he had rsv and then every winter he would get croup so it was kind of just like routine mm. for us okay frankie has his cough we'll get him some steroids we have the nebulizer and then he'll be good so we had COVID into this. So then every time, you know, he would sometimes get a low-grade fever. So just to be safe, we would get him COVID tested. So we had multiple COVID tests done. They were all negative. Um, and I, at the time, was working for an urgent care. So oh. I would just bring him in there, you know, get him tested. And I'd get a round of antibiotics, or not antibiotics, I'm sorry, um, steroids. We did the steroids, and the cough was still lingering. But we still didn't think much of it. Um, cause you know, he was active, he was playing Hawks football and running down the field. And oh, he's a little practice. athlete like dad. Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't seem any different other than his cough. Um, and then he started getting some bruises here and there 
and some of them were a little bigger than others and he couldn't explain how it happened where if you had a bruise that size you would know how it happened you would remember banging it on something but he had no recollection and um lethargic yeah a little bit lethargic and a little a little bit of a loss of appetite but again you would attribute it all to him being very active it's the fall he's playing every day he's going to school every day there's not a lot i can relate with you guys but that's something i can actually relate Mm -hmm. with because i don't know if you know my son Mm -hmm. diabetes you know, the, all these little things, oh, he's tired, you know, mm-hmm. he's probably just pooped, you know, he's giving me a little attitude. Well, he does that. Yes, we definitely <laughs> had know? the mood. That was another thing. That started around September, end of August, early September. He, every night, would get these, we'd call it like the witching hour. Whoa. After dinner, he would go crazy, like, and you hate to say it, but he was, he would become just a different child. And then he would snap out of it, but the weird thing was a shower would snap him out of it. So every night we put him in the shower, he'd come out like a brand new kid again. Is there something medical about that or that's just His doctors relaxed. didn't have any like reason for it. It's just something that we know that once he was diagnosed and started treatment, he didn't do it anymore. So in our minds, obviously it's gotta be somehow related, but there's no like medical yeah. definition for it, I guess. But the diagnosis. So so how did that finally Um, he still had the cough and then, um, Frank's grandfather had passed early November and we were, you know, around a lot of family and everything. And this one night it was actually on his dad's birthday, December 7th. And he had another low grade fever, but because we were recently around a bunch of people at the funeral, we wanted to, again, be sure that it wasn't COVID just to be safe. Didn't want to send him back to school. So it was probably like a half an hour before closing time at the urgent care. And I drove over there real quick. I said, you know, we just want to get him tested. Um, make sure it's not anything. And they did the COVID test and they did a strep test as well. And then I also showed, you know, the bruise that he still had on his arm that had been there for a while. And more recently, lymph nodes had started popping up. Mm. And by this time, there were a lot. Before, it was like a couple here and there, but again, I'm thinking, you know, he might just have an infection. And could, could you tell me what exactly a lymph node is? So it'll, when there's like an infection in the body, they'll come up as like balls almost. Like, so you can touch the skin and it'll feel like big bumps under the skin. Oh. But his weren't gigantic. Um, I think they were like five millimeters. Yeah. Not bigger than that. Um And sometimes, again, like, if you get an infection, your body, your immune system just reacts, and then it causes them to swell up, and it'll go away. But he just kept getting more. And I remember that night, I would rub my fingers through his hair, and all I felt on his head was bumps. So, you know, I brought him there. She checked out all of the symptoms, and she's like, his COVID's negative, his strep is negative. I want you to go to the emergency room right now. And I'm like. Did, did she have an idea of what it is? Because yeah. when I was doing my research before this podcast, I mean, the one of the biggest signs is the bruising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she knew that it was down to a couple things. Um, and obviously, she didn't want to say for sure, but mm-hmm. that was her gut feeling. And of course, I'm going to trust her. And um, he was at his parents' house with Gino because, again, COVID, I could only go with him in the urgent care. 
So I called him. I said, Ugh. you know, she wants us to take him to the ER. I didn't want to tell him why or worry him, even though he had already Googled the symptoms and had his own thoughts, which oh, really? I didn't know about. Knew. You knew. Oh. So the whole ride to Virtua, you know, I didn't say anything and I had it in my head. We both had it in our heads, I guess, but didn't say didn't anything to each it. other. So didn't even mention we, it to no. one another, but you both had a pretty mm -hmm. good idea. We knew, like she said, when the bruising... <clears throat> The bruising in the lymph nodes probably started, I want to say, on like a Friday or a Saturday. And at some point, we scheduled and got a script for, mm -hmm. for lab work with LabCorp, <clears throat> but he wasn't going to go until Wednesday. And this was, what, a Monday night? Yeah, because he was due for his well visit. Yeah. So I said, you know, we, I just want to have labs that. done before he goes. So if there is anything, then we'll already know at the appointment instead of, you know, making right. another appointment later. Ugh. We were certainly thinking... Um, we thought mono anemia, or anemia. Right, anemia or mono. But then when we noticed the bruises over the weekend, I kind of got to school on that Monday, and I just Googled all these symptoms, and everything pointed to one thing. But I didn't go home and say anything to her because I felt like, you know, she'd be like, are you being dramatic? Say, so, you know, you're on Google. I know. And she's right. My wife I mean, does the worst the thing time. you can do, and anytime anybody gets sick, is go on to Google or WebMD. Right. I mean, it's the worst thing you can do. Right. I would have rather have found out, I guess, the way that we found out, rather than just thinking it to myself due to Google. Yeah. And I, I remember that ride to the hospital. I knew she knew, and I knew, and it was just the longest ride, Dvorhees, you could ever imagine. Just knowing that you were going to go in there, and they were going to tell you the worst. How was he during this time? Was he just He's fine. normal Frankie? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. He, he was oblivious. Yeah, he didn't have care in the world. And he was excited because he got to eat the little Starburst out of the vending machine <laughs> and Lay's potato chips and a Gatorade. Yeah. <laughs> so that, yeah. that's all he cared about. He was bottle flipping while he's waiting for his blood work to what come back. What is with the bottle flip? I'm telling they you. They love it. My kids for hours. And then they'll watch videos with have bottle flips. Have you seen Dude Perfect? Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Those guys who hit home runs. And <laughs> yeah, it's, I guess they could be watching worse things. So, yeah, <laughs> yep, they love bottle flipping. Uh, so, you get the diagnosis. What What is the rest of that doctor's appointment like? Well, uh, it was, again, at the ER. So, it was kind of just like a whirlwind, you know, the doctor evaluated and he said there were only two spots on his body that he didn't feel lymph nodes. But then he also said they're not that big. So he didn't seem like he was as concerned because they weren't that big. And I guess the larger they are, the greater chance of leukemia. Um, and then he said, you know, he's pretty skinny. Has he had weight loss? And we're like, no, he's just. He was, he's thin yeah. anyway, right? Yeah. yeah. We're like, he's just a naturally very thin kid. Um, and, you know, he's asking us all the questions about typical symptoms and we're like, no, like, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, but nothing blatantly obvious. So then they ran the labs and they did a chest x-ray too in that time, um, which that kind of double confirmed it for them. A chest x-ray? Yeah. He had a large liquid tumor in his chest, which was causing his cough. Oh, because, uh, mm, okay. So I'm, I'm just trying to learn so much from this yeah. and I hope the listeners are too. Uh, leukemia doesn't isn't directly um, uh, related to tumors. Am I right in saying right. that? Right, because it, it's in the blood. 
but it was formed by the cancer cells. And, and that's, correct me if I'm wrong again, but that's like the main thing with leukemia. Am I right? That it, it's not the leukemia itself. It's the things that you can get because your immune system is shot. Am I right in saying that? Or I mean, I feel like that's a good thing yeah. to say. Yeah, because I mean, it goes throughout your entire body. It's not isolated to one spot because it's in your blood. So that makes it harder. The biggest concern that they had was, and we didn't find this out until they actually transported us from Virtua to CHOP, was the mass. We didn't know about the mass while we were at Virtua. Yeah, they didn't Virtua. tell, they didn't us, really tell us that part. What are you talking about? What do you I, I know. We were shocked, too. We yeah. were at CHOP, <clears throat> and at this point, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and the one doctor is like, you know, with his mass on his chest, and we, we looked at each other. We're like, what are you talking about? And... They're like, you know, the big mass on his chest, and we had no idea. And then they showed us the x-ray, and I'm an x-ray tech by trade. Oh, so, you are? Yeah. Oh, wow. And it was like so you knew what was going the whole on. sides of his chest. And then they were just in more shock that he really didn't have symptoms of that other than a cough. They're like, does he lay down on his back? We're like, yeah, every night. Does he have trouble breathing? No. Like, nothing, because it was compressing on his organs, but... With it being a liquid tumor, it's literally that. It's, like, more flexible. So it's not solid where it compresses and then nothing can move. Okay. Things kind of, like, can move around it. That makes sense. If, so in, yeah. a, in a way, if you want a tumor, yeah, that's, it would the, be, that's the one. But it was close. It was getting close to his heart. Yeah, it <clears> was <throat> compressing on some of his blood vessels. Um, so, oh, my gosh. Yeah. That was a surprise. First, you got to digest getting the leukemia diagnosis, and then you hear that. So it was a lot to take in. It was pretty bad when we got yeah when we got to chop. It was pretty bad. I that sounds like my worst fear and a lot of others. Um, when you were there, did you guys already start setting up the future and, and what life was going to look like from? you know, moving yeah. up, going on? Yeah, definitely to a certain extent. I mean, they were amazing there in the sense of how quickly they move. I mean... You're talking about CHOP, right? Yeah. Oh, we are so Yeah, you know. I mean, when Thank we got there, place. we're in the ER, and right away they had um, a doctor come down to run his sample. Um, and then while we were waiting for a room, they got him up to a room, and it was like 15 doctors and nurses all swarmed in. Everyone's hooking them up to something different, checking this, checking that. They're talking to us. Um, there was one doctor that came over to us and just kind of like pulled us away from the madness and kind of gave us some reassurance and really said, you know, mm -hmm. we got them. Yeah. What kind of reassurance could he give you at this point in the game? I just that they're going to do everything they can and he's here now. And yeah, just to kind of yeah. calm us a little and make us feel more comfortable in the worst situation. I mean, there's so much unknown, right? Mm -hmm. And did you really know much no. about it beforehand? All we knew is that he had leukemia. We had no idea what kind. And yeah, you then just you hear know a blood cancer. That's all I really knew, you know. And that my same best friend whose brother's a fighter, um, her aunt was battling leukemia too. She's since passed. So that's, you know, on the back of my mind is this is hitting close to home. I know someone with leukemia and I know the battle that they've been dealing with. And now this is my child. 
if it's the same type of leukemia, then so it just all those thoughts are running through your head. The first 24 hours was certainly the hardest. It must have been man, 24 to 48. I'm just going to say it, it must have been so, so awful, man. But once we got there and that flood of doctors came in and they said, this is what we're going to do right now. And tomorrow we're going to do a bone marrow aspirate and we're going to get him prepared for his initial cycle of chemotherapy and we're going to have a diagnosis and this, you know, they kind of walked us through what was going to happen. And it was it's just, all created in the, in the blood marrow. I mean the <coughs> bone marrow, right? Mm-hmm. And, and once they did that the next day, so we got there at, you know, midnight ish. Yeah. Around that on the seventh going into the eighth. And then by six o'clock the next night, they four brought o'clock, us four, four o'clock, o'clock in the afternoon. We sat o'clock. in the room with the oncologist and yeah. she knew he was still in the OR and she knew what type of leukemia he had, what his treatment plan was going to be for the next two and a half years, and everything. Yeah. I want to talk about the treatment plan, but first, uh, getting leukemia, is, is, is it something that runs in the family? Is it something, I mean, he's so young that he couldn't have you know, done anything, right? Uh, so like leukemia this. is like one of like the more frustrating because you can't pinpoint how long you've had it, when it started, where it came from. Because that's, you know, what we're saying. We're like, was he born with this? Did he get it from an environmental factor? Like, do we have to be concerned for our other son, for us? Um, They do genetic testing on the leukemia itself. And that takes a while. That took weeks to come back. Um, And based off of that, they determined that it wasn't they don't believe it's from when he was born. They believe something down the road mutated and caused it. And they do they think this was random? Just like a, a, yeah. an awful mm-hmm. random thing? And they have, you know, we have when his symptoms kind of started, like the behavioral changes. But yeah, they said from his cough, it probably started a couple months before that. Because for the tumor to get big enough for it to affect his cough, then it had to be growing. So it probably started in around August. I really want to know about this treatment. So I, you were saying they were going to do something with the bone marrow. Um, of course, he, you know, something has to be done about the tumor. Um, what was the treatment plan? So they started him on steroids. Right and away. That, and that was, I mean, within, so by 4 o'clock they had us sitting down telling us this is what, this is what's going to happen for the next two and a half years. And this is our plan, and this is how it's all going to work. And that was pretty reassuring. At that, in that moment, you were confident wow. that they knew what they wanted to do. By six o'clock that night, he was getting his first round of chemo. And when he got his um, his initial blood work done, his his white blood cell count was two hundred and sixty seven or two hundred and sixty eight thousand. What kind of blood? What 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 are we looking for? Like uh, usually, a, like not number? more than like ten thousand. Yeah, ten thousand. So it was over twenty times. Yeah. Am I doing that right? Over twenty I times. Think it was tw- uh, yeah, twenty-seven was the twenty-seven point seven times. And that's why the doctor in the ER could definitively say that he had leukemia because yeah. you know, of course, I said, "Are you sure?" And he said, "Yes," just based off of the white blood cell count. Right. So they started him on the steroids, and within 12 hours, I think it went from like 267,000 to like 180,000. So you already immediately saw that he was responding to the chemo. Um, 
but then it was over the course of seven days, I think that seven or eight days that we were in the hospital, they put the, the chest X-ray mm-hmm. in comparison. They said, this is what he was eight days ago. This is where we are now. I don't it know dramatically what percentage decreased. you think. I mean, it was wow. probably 75%. What, what looked on. different? The, the size of it. Because you can visibly see. Like, the tumor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the oh. X-ray, you could see mm-hmm. the shadow of the tumor like that. And then it was a smaller version. Much smaller. That's how you could see it, the shadow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that was just very based reassuring. off one round of chemo. That was off the steroids. So he was on high oh, dose steroids. The steroids. And, I mean, and he was on the combination of chemo, but they said the steroids was the big thing that was shrinking it. I hope it's okay to ask. I'm I'm curious how how did you prepare or maybe not prepare him for this? Did you talk to him? Did you just kind of? He was in the room when we got the diagnosis, um, which is hard because he. He doesn't think even to this day anything about that really. His biggest thing I feel terrible about is just that he says, Mom, the doctor said I have leukemia and you ran out of the room. And that like breaks my heart, but I kind of... Once you heard the diagnosis, like just a little breakdown. I couldn't. I didn't want him to see me break down like that, but I had to break down like that. So I just... Down the door, stormed out to the waiting area and hyperventilated a lot, <laughs> called someone, a dear friend of mine, um, and just didn't even have to say anything because she already knew. And then once I could kind of get it back together, then I went in. But I didn't want him to see me fall apart like that. I was in shock. I didn't really. Yeah, we reacted completely differently, but not how we would expect each other mm-hmm. to react. Really? I didn't. I didn't really... I didn't cry. I don't know why. I was shocked. But when I look back on it, I can remember him saying, what's leukemia? And that, like, that's the, the most... The first time he said the word. Yeah, that was, was like hard. the most heartbreaking thing to hear your son say, knowing that he has it and has no idea what it is, why he has it, and what he has to go through to fix it. But in terms of toughness in the whole situation, he's been, he's been tougher than all of us. I've heard. I've heard. Yeah. I want to talk more about that, too. I think it's the innocence of a child. They don't know to be scared, and they don't know what it is, which kind of helps. He's kind of learning along the way, but he never had a reason to be scared. I think it's also, I could be wrong, but I think it has something to do with who Frankie is. Um, I know from my own experience, uh, giving Casey 14 shots a day and this and that, like he was just taking it like a champ and we were the ones like, Oh, Mm -hmm. we're going to poke you again. And this and that. Uh, But I I mean, I'm sure you guys can relate that you're just so freaking proud Mm -hmm. of this little guy who in the face of this awful thing is keeping his chin up and may there's a part of it that they don't understand, but still they're going through something that none of us, ever want to go through and and they're doing it like champs um i love i love the quote fight like frankie um we'll get to that eventually uh so okay so he he gets his first round of chemo uh he's on steroids how long are you in this hospital before he can actually go home we were there for about eight days which they originally told us um it was going to be two weeks so it was nice to have it cut short but they say that because They don't know how each person's going to react to the chemo because while the chemo is good, it's also bad bad Yeah, because 
it's a sudden shock to the body and it starts breaking down all the cancer cells, but it's also breaking down everything else that's good good because it can't differentiate. So he had, um, he had a lot of issues with potassium and different electrolyte imbalances because everything is just breaking down. So certain diets he had to go on while we were in the hospital for a few days, uh, they would check his blood work all the time because they constantly had to monitor that because this one can't be too high. This one can't be too low. Um, and I'm trying to think. <clears throat> he did have a dialysis catheter because they said at the rate that everything is going to break down, there might be a time where his kidneys can't handle it and he'd have to do dialysis temporarily, which thank God he didn't. Um, We came close. There were some times where we were worried and they said we might have to do it. And that's why we did the dialysis catheter while he was under anesthesia getting his bone marrow done because we didn't want to have to put him under again. But that dialysis catheter was the worst thing, worse than almost anything else in that visit. Well, I don't it know went much in about his it. thigh, his groin area, and it's a very large catheter that was in there, but not permanently, obviously. So it was held in there by tape. But one of the big things with leukemia is your platelet count is very low, which is why he had bruising. So his blood wasn't clotting around it. So it would just bleed and bleed. The whole time? They'd have to redress it which that's a lot of tape that goes on and off. His skin's very irritated. Um, And then when they redress it, they were trying different things, like they have this surgical sand that they put around it that absorbs it, and they kind of pack that in, but then they have to apply a lot of pressure to it so it can start to clot before they retape it. So that was, honestly, throughout this whole process, dressing changes and things like that were the worst of everything. He would scream in pain, and that was, like, the hardest thing as a mom to say, you have to do this, and I'd have to be there with him watching him go through this, and I couldn't do anything about it. Like, it had to be done. It's something something different when you can can actually see and hear the discomfort. And he had a pick line in his arm, and same, a pick line. So it's something they put in the arm, which... Normally, patients with cancer have a port in their chest, which he has now, but because of his tumor, he couldn't go under the anesthesia that was required to do the port, so they had to put a pick line in his arm until his tumor shrunk enough to make it safe. So he had the pick line for about a month, and it's literally just a tube hanging out of his arm that goes all the way up into his heart to deliver the medication. It has to be flushed twice a day. And same issue, his blood wasn't clotting around it. So we'd have a lot of dressing changes and a lot of packing and a lot of pain and crying. So that was a very tough process for him. And once that got out, it was amazing. But Yeah, yeah. Uh, For anyone listening, I know know the hardest part has got to be the day-to-day. Just they've got to be feeling like long days where you're just hoping things are getting better and you you don't know exactly what's going on until you finally get to that doctor's appointment. Uh, the, the unknown is so scary Mm -hmm. and, and, and watching your son who, who was a champ through the whole thing, right? Yeah, he really is. 
even in the hospital. Yeah. He. Uh, well, I mean, I remember him from preschool. I mean, like that was a long time ago, but he's still the same Frankie. He's just the man. Yeah. He loved being cool in the hospital dude. despite oh, yeah. everything. He loved yeah. it. When we he were got to hospital, drink all the milk he wanted. Mm. He loves milk. So, I mean, that that comment can lead into a bunch of different directions. But back to the hospital part. I mean, you would think that we would be thrilled <clears throat> to be going home. But we got into such a routine yeah. when we were in the hospital. And you knew that if something went wrong with the pick line or something was going to go wrong with his vitals, that somebody was right around the corner and they were going to be there to help. Whereas when you go home, now it's, it's me and her and Gino. <laughs> and it's you have to figure that out. I mean, we were home for two hours. And we were back oh, in the ER. Oh, no. What did, is it, was it the pick line? Pick yeah, line wouldn't his flush. pick line wouldn't flush. I'm like, I just flushed it in the hospital today. I don't understand. But sometimes it can flip, like certain things in there can flip, and it can block it. So, so it had nothing to do with like a, a mistake. It right. was just, that's what happened. Yeah. So I brought him over to the ER in town, and they're like, you know, we don't know if we'll be able to help you, but we'll try. You might have to go to CHOP. Oh, uh, like I just got I home just from two job. hours home. Mm-hmm. Luckily, the doctor was persistent and messed around with it, did the tricks and got it to flush. And that was the happiest time of my day that day. Yeah, and that was and we got right. to go home. Any kind of win, right? Mm-hmm. You hear the phrase one day at a time. It was literally living from from one day to the next. And then he had a treatment on Christmas Eve. Pick line wouldn't flush. It wouldn't get blood return. And it has to have blood return in order to put certain medications through it. So, so Christmas Eve, we drove over to Virtua for an emergency uh, ultrasound to make sure he didn't have a blood clot. And luckily, he didn't. They put some kind of medication in there that can free up um, the line if something's clogged in there or whatever. And by the time we got back to the clinic, there was no clot. Gave blood and they return. tried it, and the blood returned, and we literally, at the last minute, were able to get him his treatment for that day and get home in time for Christmas. Wow. And that was Christmas Eve. We're talking, this is all within less than a month, right? Yeah, he was oh, diagnosed December weeks. 7th, so. Mm-hmm. So you you had something? No, I, w- I was going to elaborate more on his on his treatment plan. Yeah, please. You know, there's, we could sit here for a half hour and talk about the different phases basically there's different cycles that you go through and they have different names they have different durations the, the most intense part is the first month and then it backs off a little bit um for i don't know about maybe 15 weeks or so and then the summer rolled around and actually the summer was the second hardest phase in terms of how his how his body was going to react to the different medications that he was receiving and how low his immune system counts were going to be and blood transfusions and platelet transfusions. The summer was probably just as, just as difficult for him as say December and January were. Um, And then once we got through that and into September, we went from going to the clinic one, sometimes two, sometimes three times a week to now we go basically once a month. And we'll be doing that until April of 2023. And then he has, chemo medications that he's on at home every day is that until he's done. like a, a pill form mm-hmm. or yeah. mm-hmm. they have chemo pills mm-hmm. yep. and he knows all the names just ask him 
Yeah, he knows he all about knows it, huh? every medication he takes, when he takes it, usually like what it does, how it'll make him feel. He He's can, very educated in this process. He absorbs everything he hears. I don't know about like tell me tell me if it's the same with you guys. Because of Casey's diagnosis, his math because of carb counts and stuff is like through the roof. Mm-hmm. Like he has learned so much about medical stuff and 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 nutrition and and just mm-hmm. counting. Yeah, like, he's always been a numbers kid. Just liked math, um, and this definitely helps. He memorizes his counts from visit to visit. Even the doctors are like, "What?" Because it's not <laughs> like it's even numbers. Like it's not like ten, twenty, thirty. Like it'll be one hundred and sixty-three for one of his counts. He knows. And if we say the wrong one, he's quick to oh. correct us. <laughs> yeah. Mom. Mm-hmm. If you asked me a year ago today, what's leukemia? I would have been like blood cancer, yeah. high white blood cell count. I hadn't, didn't know what a platelet was until he got diagnosed. <clears throat> and he, at this point, can probably tell you more about leukemia than... I mean, anyone other yeah. than doctors, you know, I mean, his, he's so well-versed and he's so curious to learn about what's going on with his body. I mean, he can tell you so much, but I think he couldn't tell you as much about the emotional part of it because that's where his level of understanding, I think, kind of walls off. How has it been lately? He's always handled it well, Um He'll get mood swings still, but that can also just be from medications that he's on because that's a big side effect. Right. Um, but he, you know, CHOP is amazing again, and they have a psychologist for their patients. Does he see the psychologist? He had seen her. Um, they kind of set it up for anybody and everybody. Whether so you just kind of walk in? or So we had to do televisits most of the time. We uh, got to see her in clinic sometimes, but, you know, she's in the same office where he does his treatments. All this during COVID, too. Mm-hmm. So she would see him and she'd talk to him. She'd talk to us. We could do it as a family, sometimes by himself. And she saw him a few times and she's like, I think he's really handling it well. Like, I'm not worried about how he's coping at all. So, you know, it's more of an as-needed thing now if we feel that he needs to talk to somebody. But How proud are you of that, of that little guy? Yeah, I mean, and it's not like we think that he's fooling her or anything. Like, he really does just handle it well. And again, yeah, that's like a lot than most bittersweet because he's eight. You don't want him to have to handle something so big so well, but you're also happy that it's he better does. better than the alternative. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, proud of him, man. What is, so what's the next year uh, till April 2023? 2023. What's that going to look like? It'll be what it is now pretty much. Um, he has a couple more times where he goes for five days straight of a certain chemo medication that he gets. Um, He'll continue the at-home chemo, and then they throw in steroids with that sometimes, but it's called his roadmap, so it's all according to his roadmap. Um, You know, they'll have days one through this, and you do these meds, and then these days you do these meds. So he's on certain ones pretty consistently, like an antibiotic. He's on two days a week, twice a day, for the rest of the time since the very beginning. Two days a week? So there's a certain type of pneumonia that leukemia patients can get, and they found that that dosage of Bactrim over that course of time prevents it. So they said they always know if somebody gets that type of pneumonia that they weren't taking their Bactrim. So it's just a preventative. Mm -hmm. 
So it's just a minimal amount, but for the whole course of treatment. Okay. And then he'll be on this other one. It's called 6MP. That's the short name for it. And that he takes every day normally. Um, right now, for the first time, we had to pause it because his ANC is too low. So that kind of determines a lot throughout treatment. Your ANC, your platelets, and your hemoglobin are like the three numbers they care about every visit the most. So when your ANC is too low, you can't take certain medications like the ones he's been on. So we have to stop his treatment right now. And then we go back in a week and we'll check it again. And if it's high enough, he can start his medications back up again. It's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. It is to us. It's a pro and a con. They said, what? you know, the medication is doing what it's supposed to. It's supposed to reduce the ANC, but it did it too much. Right. So essentially, like, he's off his chemo meds for two weeks right now. So for us, it's like, oh, my God, he's not, not getting yeah. his chemo. But to the doctors, they're like, this happens all the time. This is a very common thing. It happens to more patients than it doesn't happen to. And that means his body is responsive to what but he's getting. too responsive. But too responsive. <laughs> okay. So, so it's are like they going to go for a lower dose of that? So Depends. they check the blood work again next Monday. If it's above 500, then he will start back on his regular dose. And then when they check his blood work again, if it dropped too much again below 500, then they would reintroduce it at a lower dose. So they try it one more time at your regular dose. If that fails, then they do a lower dose. What are you ultimately looking for or hoping for? Is, is the ultimate hope to lower and lower these, these I don't know, radical, what's the right word for these, these mutated white blood cells? Are you just, is that the goal is just lower, lower until they're non-existent? Mm -hmm. And then to maintain them being gone. So right now he's in maintenance phase, which is what they're doing is oh. this chemo every day is maintaining the cancer staying out of him. So is he like, is he cancer free right now? Technically, but if he stopped his treatment right now, then the cancer would come back. How are they going to get to a point where that's not an issue? April 12th, 2023. Is it just, <laughs> it's just taking these same meds mm -hmm. until finally whatever it is? Yeah, so his course of treatment is based off of a combination of different medical trials that they've found in that combination have been successful. So they just know it's tried and true. And if you follow this course, there's some deviations because every patient responds differently, which that's a hard thing for mm -hmm. us. We don't like to deviate because we're very like... This is what you said it's going to be. So uh, yeah. anytime there's a deviation, we get nervous. But the doctors reassure us a million times over that whatever it is, it's okay. And that sometimes helps. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the other day we went in and he was, she was talking, referring to the five-day-a-week treatment um, that he gets, which isn't everybody's like, oh, my God, chemo five days in a row. It's, I don't think it's any more intense than the 15-minute treatment that he got the he's other day. He's definitely more tired, but also he's sitting in the chair, and right. he's it's there just, for a while. It's more about you have to go five It's pain in the butt for him. Yeah, you got to go five days, rather than the, the physical effect that it may have on his body. Mainly it just gets him a little tired, <laughs> but... Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, but they, they brought us into the, into the nurse practitioner's office, and they're like, okay, here's what we want to do. You know, we have X, Y, and Z number of lumbar punctures today, and he really doesn't need to have his today. We can bump it to next month, and then we'll bump the five-day treatment to the following month. 
And we're like, and we're like what? what? You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to do it right now. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, no, we're here no, for a lumbar puncture. Yeah. They're like, no, 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 this is totally, we it doesn't matter. And we're like, are you sure? <laughs> you know, like they, they, would like not be, they would not be moving the schedule around if they knew that it was a certain medical risk to him. It's just a matter of this is, you have to get this medication this many times and at this dosage and you're good. You know, it's, it is hard to wrap your head around how they figure out what you're getting and why, and why it's this many days. Um, But again, it's based off of a clinical trial that was successful multiple times. Yeah. So if you kind of put all of your faith into everything that those doctors are telling you. I would absolutely love that uh, when April 2023 comes around uh, sometime after that to, if I'm still doing this, bring, bring Frankie on here to talk. I don't know if that's something he'd want to do. I know he's, he'll be almost 10 by then. Yeah, so maybe it. he'll be a little more outgoing because he <laughs> is regardless he's, of everything. He's a quiet kid. He always has been. Yeah. He's but just, when he's he talks, yeah, but he's very cool though. Yeah. Like every time you talk, it's like, cool, man. He's like the mayor. <laughs> he's like the mayor in school. Is you know, he? Like, he, everybody's like, oh, you know, you, parents will say, oh, like, they love Frankie. Like, they say he's, like, the coolest kid. And I'm like, he talks in school? <laughs> <laughs> Something about him, man. Yeah. Even when he went to everybody, preschool. Everybody he was quiet, Frankie. but, yeah, everyone loved him. Yeah. Just a good guy. He is. He really yeah. Is. He's a sweet kid. and mm-hmm. I would love to talk to him when this is all said and done. That would be awesome. Um, would you guys like to... Uh, talk with me a little bit about his little bro because i mean he's going through his own yeah. uh you know it's not physical but i'm sure it's he's got some mental problems dealing with uh, i mean you guys ha- mm-hmm. dealing with this i mean that was one of and still is always going to be one of the hardest things to navigate um you know especially me as a mom again with mom guilt i left the house that night to bring frankie to the doctor and i didn't come home for over eight days and he didn't see me except on FaceTime. And then Frank had left the hospital one day to go home and just see him for a little bit. Cause he felt terrible that neither one of us got yeah. to see him, which was frowned upon because it was COVID. You know, you were in the height. Yeah. Of they don't really want you to and leave the hospital to, and come back. Uh, we were already pushing limits by having us both there, but I mean, right. there was no way, no way. anybody was leaving. Hell. So I was just kind of like, I told one of the nurses who, I think that day we might've known, I think it might've been uh, one of our friends that was on duty that day. I was like, listen, I'm leaving to go be with our other son for about four hours and I'm coming back, you know, and obviously they were like, you know, go do what you have to do, but don't make a habit of it kind of thing. But it was hard. I mean, he didn't want me to come back. You know, he didn't want me to go back to the hospital. And we got home like a day before his birthday. His birthday is December 16th. So that oh, was wow. on my mind too. Like when we were first told two weeks, I'm thinking we're going to miss his birthday. This is awful. Like everything that's going on. And then for that to happen to him, that's not fair. Luckily we made it home just in time, but I was, you know, scrambling for a birthday cake and he obviously didn't get a birthday party, which I again felt guilty about. Um, he must have been so happy. I mean, I remember from his days here, too. I mean, attached. He loves yeah, you guys. Yeah. Very emotional. Remember all the times of him coming in, kicking screen? No, I forgot <laughs> about that. <laughs> totally opposite children. It's funny. Yeah. 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 Gino is very attached. And 
not just to us, but just like home and he does not like a change in his schedule or anything like that. So it was very hard for him to adjust. And he had already had to adjust to so many things because, again, his grandfather passed less than a month prior to Frankie getting diagnosed. And then a month before that, we were all quarantined due to a relative's exposure. So he had a whole mix-up going on for him. Like, we were home a lot sometimes, then we'd go back to work. Does he understand in in any sense of what's going on? Or More so now, yeah. Yeah. Um, it took a while because it was really hard to explain to him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Frankie will even explain stuff to him. So I that mean, what, helps him. Was he him. like six when this happened, or...? Gina nope, was five, five turning. Just about to turn just six. Just about to turn five. six. Mm-hmm. It's pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, and CHOP has amazing child life specialists, too. So they'll provide resources for you to talk to your other children about it. Um, oh, what a good service. Yeah. So that helped. Um, but the one thing that stinks is no siblings could come to treatment up until, like, the summer. So it would have really helped if Gino could be there and seeing everything because he hated when we would leave. And he wouldn't get to be with us. He couldn't come with us. And he didn't understand that. Like, yeah. why can't I come? So that's that was awful. hard. I mean, just with everything else you guys have to deal with, that's mm-hmm. a whole nother And just finding layer. the balance. And, you know, Frankie, rightfully so, is getting so much attention because he is going through something terrible. And he deserves the recognition for being so brave. But it's hard because sometimes as the other child, you don't get that recognition too even though you're going through a lot you might not have the cancer and you might not have to go through all the treatments but you're right there going through everything yeah in a different way so is that where he's at right now just you know big brothers getting all the attention sometimes you can see it and we try every day like it's always a conscious effort to make sure that we're doing what we can to make him feel included or not make him feel like He's an outsider and that everything's about Frankie. Yeah. Even though sometimes it has to be. It does. It's got to be so hard. for He'll understand one day. Yeah. When we first came home, there was presents everywhere. Oh, yeah. And it's the day before Gino's birthday. <clears throat> and I can remember Gino saying, why is... And Gino's very... I mean, the Gino that we know is different <laughs> from the Gino that went to read here. There's a certain level of attitude that he has... And almost no filter whatsoever, you know. Oh, Gino's powerful. I saw uh, that at Reed. He, and he, tomorrow's my birthday. Why is everybody buying him presents? It doesn't make any sense. You know, like he was angry that Frankie is getting all these presents and they weren't for him. And it got to the point where when people asked what Frankie liked and what he was interested in, it got to the point where we started telling people, like, look, whatever you send, we're greatly appreciative of, but please send two. Yeah. Of whatever it is, because it got to the point where it wasn't fair to Gino that Frankie was getting an Eagles jersey and Gino was just sitting there looking at it, you know, yeah. or, or anything that that he and got. And then there were it people that what? didn't even think anything, and they just sent two of certain things, mm-hmm. like oh, they sent wonderful. Gino his own bag, and yeah, that was like so nice of people to do. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you turn it, something that's so sweet, like giving a gift, turns into something mm-hmm. that's stressful, and it shouldn't mm-hmm. be that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. and you feel bad because everyone's doing it just out of the goodness right. of their heart, yeah, yeah. and you don't yeah, want to yeah, say no, no or right? That. And right. they're not thinking, yeah, yeah. Like, no one's thinking. It's How an honest they? thing. How could they? Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Of course, I would be the same way. Like, oh, Frankie's sick. Let's send yeah, him a gift. Exactly. But you don't. Again, that's the the one part that. 
people probably don't realize is the management of Gino has been equally as hard as anything that we've dealt with with Frankie. You know, I can remember it was a, a month in and I had, you know, gotten a leave of absence from work. She was off from work and we're home with Frankie every day and we're having wrestling matches with Gino trying to get his clothes on him to get him to go to school. And he's like, why do I have to go to school? Everybody else is home. How come I'm the only one going to school? You don't go to work. Mommy doesn't go to work. Frankie doesn't go to school. So why am I start off the day? Right? It was, and it was torture. It was awful. I, I can remember I would leave uh, school drop off in tears because uh, he was so I upset. Said this is back to how he was when he first started yeah. school here. Like it was bad. There was no explanation at that time, but I think it's just something new for him. So coming to preschool was something new. Yeah. And then this was new. He wasn't going to school every day because um, during COVID times, he was going two days a week, two I days, think, right? Yeah. So he had no consistent routine, and he just he couldn't handle it. But shout out to Mrs. Hagen and Misty because yeah. they, like, would save every day. Um, Mrs. Well, Hagen would come to our car every morning get Gino out, whether he was kicking and screaming or whether it was a point where she it's good got to have him to walk. a teacher walk. who can handle that. Yes. Yeah. Um, so she would, they got to the point where he would walk himself into school, like over time, which was a good improvement. And then she would take him right to Miss D's office, the counselor. Mm-hmm. And he loved Miss D because she had all the stuff that he said helped him relax. Oh, what, like squeeze balls and mm-hmm. stuff? Yeah, and like <laughs> glitter bottles and... With those little pop things. Yep, all yep. like the stress reducers, because he yeah. has... Who wouldn't need that stuff? I know. His anxiety, like, really shows through adversity. When he's going yeah. through something, he gets a lot of anxiety. So they helped, and, and Mrs. Aloisio. I can't forget her. Oh, she you're is talking like, about the greatest teacher in the <laughs> world? I mean, she's wonderful. And yeah. she had Frankie, so we were already so familiar with her. She had both my kids too. Yeah, and she's hopefully amazing. the rest of them. She saved us with his birthday cake too. That was one of my things. Stressing coming here. home from the hospital. Um, in the beginning of the school year, it was something so small, but he said he wanted his birthday cake to have a picture of him, Gino, um, Mrs. Aloisio, Frankie, and her son Jr. on it. And I'm like, okay, you know, it's kind of weird, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> and I called her on. Gino's birthday as I'm like sitting in the shopping, uh, shopping, shop right parking lot, almost in tears. And she's like, don't get a cake. I got a cake. Don't get it. She got the cake and she photoshopped Frankie into a picture (laughs) of her JR and Gino. And it was like the best cake. He was so happy. I like just burst into tears that she would think to do something like that for us as his teacher. And, you know, like, yeah. Those teachers, were they mm-hmm. around when you were a kid? <laughs> it's crazy. Like, I just, just gestures like that. Yeah, like, it means the world, right? Mm-hmm. That people really do care and go out of their way. And it made his day. He was you know what? So maybe, happy. Maybe, maybe in that April of 23, uh, Gino can drop a line in, on the podcast as well. <laughs> Guys, let's, um, so we have to get to the, uh, tradition is tradition. So we do have to get to the chat pack before the end of the episode. But before we get to the, don't oh, be afraid of these, be I very know. afraid. <laughs> but before that, I'd love to know about, um, I, I know there's fight like Frankie, just the support you've gotten. Um, what kind of support have you received? Uh, man, it's been overwhelming. The number of people who have reached out to show that they support the family and that they care for Frankie. Um, 
so many local organizations. I mean, the Hamilton Hawks, the Hamilton Little League, the Kiwanis Club, the Sons of Italy, um, obviously the Hamilton School District. There's been a number of people who, you know, my dad works for the district as well. So people that he's associated with, I do have to single out Marnie Parks, the athletic director at Hamilton High School. She would send... She sent wardrobes for them. I mean, oh, fully outfitted them in Hamilton High School athletic gear, pants, zip-ups, varsity jackets, And no other jerseys. kids have. And yeah. Uh, all personalized for Gino and Frankie. So Good. <laughs> it board, was... Board games. Um, I mean, she's, you name it, she sent it. Uh, and then she set up the Fight Like Frankie baseball and softball showcase at the Hamilton what, Lake. What exactly is the Fight Like Frankie? So <clears throat> the Fight Like Frankie showcase for baseball and softball is an event that we're going to hope grows. And the proceeds this past year obviously went to Frankie, and then we're going to put some towards the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Um, and then in the future, we're going to probably put all of it either towards the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society or CHOP or some kind of Childhood Cancer Awareness Foundation, um, where we're going to make this a yearly thing where it's Hamilton and Ocean City baseball and softball. And then we're going to try to introduce other teams into the showcase. Showcases have become like a big, a big fad in high school sports, especially baseball, where you just get teams that aren't necessarily in the same league. And you bring teams from different areas that don't always play each other all the time. And you bring them together and you have what they call a showcase um, where, you know, you get some of the best talent in South Jersey and sometimes even into Pennsylvania and Delaware Whoa. where people will come in and, and um, you know, uh, have a, a baseball weekend, so to speak. Uh, Mainland High School does the Coaches versus Cancer Tournament, which was another foundation that wanted to highlight Frankie. Frankie threw out the first pitch. Uh, I think I this, saw that. There's a video there's of There's a right? couple. A I mean, he ago. did it twice, but this one was, was pretty special. I mean, there were pro scouts there to watch one of the players on the team we were playing, uh, Bishop Eustis High School, had a pitcher who eventually got drafted by, I believe, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Pirates. Mm -hmm. um, so they were like pro scouts surrounding the field. Frankie rips the first pitch in there. I mean, threw a strike. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's awesome. So then you've got, um, I, I hope I didn't miss anybody from our town, and if I did, I apologize. But um, then you have... Uh, in Ocean City, where I work and teach, um, the the building that I teach in Ocean City Intermediate School took up a collection that people donated towards for Frankie. Um, the Ocean City Football Booster Club did a, a t-shirt fundraiser. If you see the fight like Frankie's and then hashtag Lasasso Tough t-shirts that people walk around in with the OC logo on it. Um, they did that T-shirt fundraiser for us. The baseball are those still City. available? Can people still get those? I think we're out of production at the moment. Although okay. people ask quite frequently if they can get them. Yeah, um, I'll have to see what I have left in the in the extra bin. See if we can I, get one I would for love you. Love to rock that. Um, <clears throat> and then the Ocean City Baseball Booster Club. They did a they they made a donation for Frankie, and um, it's just been. And then you know we her her dad set up a GoFundMe page. Uh, that, you know, there was just so many people who kept saying, like, we want to help, we want to help, how do we do it? And right. that, we don't, we're not the type of people to have our hand out and ask for anything, but when people want to help you, and it's a situation where people want to help and they don't know how to do it. So the, they feel like the least that they can do is just donate towards his name. So, I mean, so many people, you know, you look on there, they donated $500 or whatever it might be, and you're like, oh my God, like, 
it's it's very humbling to see how many people truly care and the support from our families. And I do have to say, you know, when we were in the hospital, like my parents and her mom and then her mom and stepdad, they came down from, from North Jersey to make sure that Gino was taken care of. Mm. We've never had an issue with child care That's throughout so the whole thing. Huge. We've never had to, you know, go out and find, find somebody who wasn't family something. that was to take care of them. So we have great neighbors that yeah. pretty much adopt our children. <laughs> yeah. So Christmas dinner was, Gino is at our neighbor's house mm -hmm. while wow. we were all stuck inside. Yeah, we were kind of stuck, and they invited him over, and they fed him dinner. And That's wonderful. The support around us from friends, friends, family, the community of both Hamilton and Ocean City has been pretty remarkable. Um, to and see. even when we were in the hospital still, you know, a lot of friends that might have connections or be friends with pro athletes or any type of famous person that Frankie might know. And they're just, the videos were just flooding in as of words of encouragement to Frankie. Really? And, mm -hmm. you know, it's something he might not realize the importance of it now or like how cool that is because also, you know, he was sitting in a hospital bed when he saw these things, but as he gets older and he looks at those, like that's going to be memories for him to be like, wow, like they knew who I was. And yeah. We have local, <clears throat> some local baseball talent, guys that I've coached against. Uh, one of them was in the Twins organization in the major leagues. He came over the house in January just to say hi, and Frankie was so shy. shy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it yeah. ended up being Didn't a conversation between he and myself and my dad more than anything. But just <laughs> but he the was fact, there. Yeah, he autographed baseballs. and we've, The villain of a football team is oh. by far, we have to yeah. mention them. I mean – our friend's son plays football there and they, from day one, they've sent Frankie numerous care packages of gear, like sweatshirts, hats, shirts. Um, and literally almost every day we come home to multiple letters in the mail from Villanova people. Wow. Like every player, um, staff, coaches, anyone in the athletic department, we have an envelope full of cards from them. Gosh. And they invited us to a game recently, and the boys, both of them got to do the Wildcat walk, where the whole team walks through the parking lot before the game with the band and everybody. Ooh, and that sounds fun. They got to go um, walk with the team back to where they go for the locker room and just meet the coach and go on the field, and it was like a whole experience. And then the Phillies, they do uh, Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and I actually coach with the ex-clubhouse manager for the Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, wow. Uh, he moved into Ocean City and wanted to become involved in some way, shape, or form with our baseball team. And when he learned about Frankie, it was like, he's like, I'm going to have a few things for you coming up here. He's like, just hold tight. And it was tickets one time and then, you know, memorabilia another time. And then... He's like, all right, this guy's going to call you, and, and you're going to give him some information on Frankie and send him some pictures, and he's going to be featured on a broadcast. So they featured him on a, on a Sunday afternoon broadcast talking about his diagnosis, things he likes to do. And when we actually were at a football <laughs> game that day, we couldn't even watch it live because Gino had a game, and we were out for the day. We came home, and we, we watched it on DVR, and his, to see his face light up, that he was on the Phillies broadcast because he mm -hmm. watches them every day. He and we doesn't made sure they game. said Gino's name yep. and Gino, his smile yeah, was ear to ear. It was, yeah. wow. the, the smallest things 
kind of brightens up their day. And uh, that's the stuff that means the most is when people do things to highlight them or make them feel kind of special in a, in a hard time. Wow. Uh, I'm with those people who don't know exactly how to help. You know, we're happy to uh, donate and stuff like that, but I'd love to do more. So if you ever need an MC for something <laughs> or a big yard to hold an event yes. or something, no, never hesitate to reach well, out. Well, you never. know, when he's done his treatment, we already have plans. We're like, we're giving him the biggest party. You can imagine, like, everyone Yo, from got, everywhere is invited. I have games. <laughs> like, I don't want to push myself into it, but if you want someone who's got games and microphone skills... I would love yeah, to we just want him like to like really celebrate being yes. done that chapter of his life and yes, also turning 10. So it's going to be like a big year for him. Double and digits. And yeah, we just want that's going to be our way too to like really thank everyone yeah. for everything they've done because there's been countless people. We can never name them all. That I have look helped forward us. to that party. Yeah. yeah. Guys, thank you so much for all this. This is thank very you. special thank for you. me. We're going we're gonna to flip the script a little bit. It's time for the chat pack in which both of you, one at a time, will point to one of these. I'll read it to you, and hopefully you both have an answer for it. So ladies okay. first, of course. That one? All right. Okay. Let's see what happens. Scared. Oh. What is something that many, perhaps most adults do that seems really silly to you? Oh boy. To me. Yeah, I mean, adults do some stuff. You know, remember when you were a kid and you were so carefree and now we have to be adulting all the time? Is any of that adulting stuff just like silly or drive you crazy? Something that adults do that's silly. I'll, I'll, can, I, can I drop one while you yeah. guys are thinking? Yeah. I cannot stand, and I, this is probably a pretty cliched one, but I cannot stand when we are all together trying to enjoy each other's company and these adults. Or checking Facebook mm-hmm. and scrolling through their Instagram, maybe TikTok even, I don't know. <laughs> but we are here right now. We could be having a rocking conversation or have some good laughs, and you are in your freaking phone. <laughs> like I, I do agree with that one. Do you agree with that yes. one? Right? Yeah, because it's like, I feel like, you know, our parents took so long to catch on to how to use the internet. And then once they did, it was like... Game over. Yeah. They can't put it down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I got to think of my own for this one. All right, Frank, you go while I think. Cause you got something, man? Or do you have something do I that you know? This one or no? I would you, love for you to. If you got something that peop- us adults do that just, it just seems so silly. I'm, gonna, I'm going to go with... The coach angle on this one and I'm going to go with the obsession with like competitive travel sports at such a young age (laughs) I saw it for the first time yeah I coached soccer I was an assistant coach if you if you'd want to call me that Mm -hmm. people get heated Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's because you know, again, uh, I've been coaching high school sports for 14 years. And you go to a taxi football game, and the opposing coaches are, like, taunting the other coaching no. staff or, like, saying stuff to players. And I'm like, man, like these kids are six years old. You know, like, what are you are doing? Are your dreams coming true? Is this yeah. what you hoped when you were growing up? You wanted to yell it? So, I mean, look, I'm all about competition. Yeah. You know, there's no bigger competitor than than me Mm. but let's do it age appropriate here i mean we are we've now introduced 
kids to travel baseball, and I I can't believe I caved this summer. Yeah, Because I swore. I told her for the longest time, I'm like, I'm never doing some 8U baseball tournament. They're not playing on any kind of all-star or travel team until they're 10, <laughs> at least, right? And I think that's even pushing it. But, like, we had a tournament team this summer where we got some kids together, you know, our kids and some of their friends and some of the better talent in our in our local baseball league, and we put them in a few tournaments. And we were we were there for the experience, right? And all the coaches were pretty much on the same page. We're like, we're not going here to win, right? We're going there to get the kids experience, playing against some better competition. You mean how it should be? Learning how, right, learning how to play the game, doing things the right way. And we get there, and there's some teams from these other towns that are like in drill squad lines, walking two by two, war chants going into the baseball field. And all like they care about, all they care about is, yeah, it was like, it was like watching like that stereotypical movie where you have the one team that's like, they're all about winning. And it was, it was a new level and it kind of just, they're usually the bad guys in the movie, but what people don't realize, <laughs> right. And what, but what people don't realize is you're, you're burning your kids out of sports at a young age. You think that, you think that by the, you know, you're setting them up for college and to get a division one scholarship. I mean, that's. Regardless of what parents say, 90% of them are getting their kids involved in travel sports at a young age because they think that they're going to earn a scholarship. Really? Yeah. Wow. And while that might be true for a very small population of those kids who are playing travel sports, and it certainly pays off for some. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've coached some extremely talented baseball players in the last few years. Um, And a lot of them play travel and have played travel since a young age. But they are in the minority in the group that you're, you're baseball, 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 baseball all the time. And then now it's going to pay off in the end. Because I know plenty of people who baseball, baseball, 130 games in, the, in a year at 11 and 12 years old. And wow. it's time to go to college. And they're like, eh, I don't think I'm going to play baseball in college. Yeah. You know, it's like but the experience you gave them. Right. It set them up for so much more. Yeah. So. I'm all for travel sports, AAU sports, all that stuff, but I think we should be reasonable with the age at which we're getting them involved in so many different you activities hit, where the goal is to win. You hit the nail on the head where you're going to teach them to dislike the experience. That's a huge part of my career is making sure that whether I'm teaching math or soccer, whatever it is, that they love it first. Because if, if you're pushing – pushing it on them in a way they don't want it, they're going to learn to hate it. And if once they learn hate, learn to hate math, learn to hate soccer, it's really hard to get that back. Mm-hmm. And that's going to make them miss out on all those experiences that they could have if they just loved the game. So you had so long to think of an answer. I know, and I was thinking. <laughs> so I don't know. It's different than your coaching thing. But something I always thought was weird that my mom would do, and now I feel like I do – I do it is I'm scared to like go to a place different than where my mom would go, whether it's like a doctor or a mechanic or silly things like that. Like you have like a loyalty. Oh my God. Like my mom would only go to places that her parents went to for like, like she had the same mechanic still since she started driving and she's my mom. Just like Lisa. Oh my gosh. So like, why do we do that? Why are we scared to like start our own? I don't know. It's that you're still a kid when you're around your parents, right? I just started going to a different family doctor a couple years ago. But before that, 
I had been with the same practice since I was a kid, even though the doctors changed, but I wouldn't leave the practice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, why? Why do we do that? So the silliest thing adults do is something that you do. Yes. (laughs) And then we repeat what the things that we thought our parents did was silly. We then do them too. Good one. We got one more. So, sir, point to the one you want. All right, here we go. Oh, this is a fun one. I don't think you should be so nervous about this one. You guys like music? I love music. All right. What do you rock, rap? I do it all. Yeah. Yeah, rock, rap, country. All right. So you have a lot of options here. If you had a great voice, do you have a great voice? No. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hear it. (laughs) If you had a great voice and had the opportunity to record a duet with any singer living today, so it's got to be alive, whom would you choose as your partner for recording? Boom. I don't mind. Drop Liv- it. Living. Pink. Okay. Oh, so what? Uh, Stella Rockstar. I love her. I like, like her attitude. Everything about her. She's never afraid to just be who she is. Is she still doing the thing? Mm-hmm. All right. She's amazing. I went to her concert on the same tour twice. <laughs> like She was just, like right around the time with like Britney and Christina mm-hmm. Aguilera and all these knockoffs of it. But she had her She's own thing, deal. and I was like, "Yes, all right." She's just a powerful woman, and She's someone I would let. I would want my daughter yes. to listen to. And then she has her own children, so like you see how she is, and she's just amazing. Yeah, good everything answer. about her. Cool, you rock out with Pink. Yes. Would you rock out with Pink? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And they have to be alive. Yeah. That's Why? The, well, that's the hardest. Why he, he likes older music? Seeing the Hendrix or like uh, my initial thought would have been Leonard Skinner. Ah, uh, yeah. So the Van Zants would have been... That would have been fun. Would have been uh, one that I would probably have chosen, but since they have to be alive... They have to be. Man, I'm, see, I'm torn between two. I, I'm probably going to have to go with the one that I've liked the longest, so I'm probably going to have to go with James Hetfield from Metallica. Oh, really? Yeah. Dude, I've been watching a lot of Metallica lately. Or the other one would be Linkin Park, but... Oh, but he's not not Chester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. gone. He's yeah. gone. So he's not really the same. Metallica is still here. Metallica though. is probably the one, just because. I mean, God, they've been doing it since Dude, the '80s. I early being a little kid and being like, "What is all this fire and craziness? <laughs> and air, so much air." Yeah. So I mean, my dad introduced me to like rock music. I was big on like ACDC and Van Halen, and then somehow I got into Metallica. I'm a huge fan of the live performance of uh, No Leaf Clover. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, that's a good one. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Metallica? <sighs> you put me on the spot. Oh, I know, dude. <laughs> There's so many. I do that to you. If, but if I had to pick one, I'm probably going to go with Master of Puppets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a safe one for sure. Um, but there's so many other ones that people don't realize are great. Yeah, yeah. I only you know, know the ones that everyone's know. And yeah, Sandman. I mean, uh, Sandman's always like you know an easy an easy one for them. So was uh, one. Oh is yeah, a good one. Um, but hero of the day too. I mean, see, I'm I'm not as into the newer stuff. Is hero of the day newer? Well, dude, that's like the nineties. Hero, <laughs> right? hero of the day. well, I, when I say Metallica, like the newer stuff is after the Black Album. Okay, right. So anything after the Black Album is newer. Now there's there was two albums there. I guess hero of the day was in the mid nineties. So that's not. 
that's not too but that's much. a little soft for Metallica right it's a, there was a different they kind of went into a different direction not that I didn't like it but it was just it was different yeah but I've always been a fan like I said I mean my first love for music was actually Leonard Skinner yeah it's a good one it's a good one to start yeah. with and let me tell you I don't care if it if if I've been listening to it for 20 years 25 years when I'm on that elliptical machine and fuel <laughs> comes on see that's my I, don't, I can't do it with fuel no, <laughs> dude, give me fuel, give me fire. That yeah, I can't do it. Dun, 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 dun. No, Mm-mm. wow, I'm oh, gonna have to my. listen to some older stuff. One of my friends in a group text, we were, we were like, you know, talking about Metallica, I guess, and he's like, "Yeah, Fuel is like the greatest song," and I was like, that, "No." <laughs> All right, I gotta listen to the Black Album then, man. I'm gonna listen. To, I'm gonna download it after this interview. Black Album and Master of Puppets. Guys, happy. yeah, Master of Puppets, of course, <laughs> guys. This was a real honor to me, for me, and I was uh, very nervous going into it because uh, this was going to be very heavy, and I, I just appreciate you guys being open, and you guys have always been awesome to me and Lisa. You guys are wonderful people, and I just want to say I appreciate you guys. Uh, I hope for the absolute best. I'm here for you guys if, if there's any way I can help, and before you get out of here, is there anyone in the world you'd like to give a shout-out to? Mm. We tried to cover as many mm. people... You did drop a lot of names, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, right I guess now we I would sorry. Go ahead. I would honestly say like we've been working more with the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, um, specifically of New Jersey too, because they have them in different states, and they just provide so many resources. Um, I guess it's kind of more than one person, but them and all of the foundations that donate to families going through this, but not necessarily just like a check um there's ones that give us like gas cards so any patient from Atlanta county that has to go to camden county for treatment mm. they give you gas cards which things like that do you think any of these groups have facebook pages i would love to take this interview I'm sure. post it with them so in mm-hmm. case there's any other parents who are just starting out with this mm-hmm. they could listen to this interview and, and feel like they're not alone you know yeah, yeah just all the foundations and things like that that help bring awareness and support to the families. Wonderful. Yeah. My yeah. shout out was going to be to any families who are going through this or are going to go through something like this one day that, you know, no matter who you are or where you're from, we've been through it and we want to, we want to be people that can be a resource or an outlet to, to kind of show that, even in the worst time of your life that you can get through it and be positive and have positive people around you who are willing to help. And that although it's a very difficult time, it's a time that you're going to get through and, and hopefully see the light at the end of the tunnel. And shout out to the Clark family. Sorry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was thinking of them too. Because their son Gregory recently finished his treatment and rang the bell. Hey, the bell. So that was very exciting. And, you know, we were both from the same town and weirdly didn't know each other as well as we do now. So something like this brought us together. While it's horrible, it's also a great friendship now we have with them. And so we can celebrate those kind of victories. And Yeah. Yeah. And of course... Gino and Frankie, huge shout out to you. (laughs) All right, we'll wrap it up with that. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you.